You are listening to the Movie Cheer Podcast. The best place for movie topics and blockbuster discussions. Welcome to Movie Cheer Town. Now everyone, it's time to spread a bit of movie cheer. Welcome to the Movie Cheer Podcast, the show for movie fans. I'm your host AP, aka Mr. Movie Cheer, and on today's edition of the Movie Cheer Pod, I will be discussing the 1990s movie, the Arnie classic, True Lies, and discussing whether it is one of the best 90s spy movies. So that'll be today's headline topic, ladies and gents. I'm really looking forward to deep diving in to that movie and to that headline topic. But before we get to today's headline topic, we like to start the segment, uh, start the show off with a segment called What's Been on the Screen? Ooh, what's been on the screen? What's been on the screen? What have I been watching this past week, ladies and gents? So, first of all, first of all, let's get to uh, a movie I've watched this week, uh, a 1990s movie. I was getting a 1990s vibe this week. So, it's a 1996 movie, and it is a movie by uh, directed by John Woo, and the movie is Broken Arrow. Now, this was recommended to, to me by a few people when we did the um, the 90s um like um, we did like the special. I think it was like what was it like the so many episodes. I think it was like the hundredth episode or something. We did, did a few months back, and I, this rec- this film came up a few times from a few different people um, on on that video. And definitely check out that video, that collaboration video. Some great collaborations with the the rest of the co-hosts of that episode. Really great episode. Broken Arrow came up a few times by a few different people. Uh, Broken Arrow is a movie starring John Travolta and Christian Slater. Uh, Ninety-six movie, and basically the you know the premise of the movie is without spoiling it too much. Um, they're both pilots in the Air Force, and basically Travolta goes goes rogue, goes into the villainous character at the very start of the movie, and decides to kind of steal uh, some warheads, some nuclear warheads that are on the jet, and then. It's a case of Christian Slater then trying to track down Travolta's character in the desert and trying to stop him from selling the nukes and and setting them off and stuff like that. So it's uh, that's that's the premise of the movie. Um, so there's a few things I want to discuss with this one, a few takeaways. So first of all, a big movie I'm a fan of of the 90s is The Rock starring Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage. Now, I got a... A lot of vibes of the movie The Rock from Broken Arrow. Now I don't know if, if you feel the same, um, but I I, I I feel like this this is a movie. If you like The Rock, the movie The Rock, not The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> if you like the movie The Rock, I think Broken Arrow uh, would be right up your street. I really do. I think it is a absolutely fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Um, a lot of vibes of that movie. And my other takeaway from from this film, Broken Arrow, is the fact that John Travolta is 
such an underrated villain of 90s movies. He is such a great villain. I feel like he's underrated, but he, you look at the movies, like Face Off, that was another John Woo directed movie. Um, in, in this one, Broken Arrow, he was great in this. He is an absolute, you know, the Punisher as well. Punisher, another one, and maybe that was 2000s, but like late 90s, 2000s. But he, he really plays. It's kind of weird when you watch him in something like Grease or um, Saturday Night Fever, and then you watch these sort of movies years later. The transition he, he made in his acting, you know, his, his acting direction, and the roles he was getting in these more villainous roles and then doing, obviously, doing um, Pulp Fiction as well, he really nails the bad guy. And this is another one where he just... He just does something about him, just like the cockiness to his characters he plays. Um, just something about him, he really, he he's really got the knack of playing the ultimate bad guy. And it, you know, I I think even today you can still pull it off. I, th- I think Travolta's a really good actor, and especially his work in the '90s was absolutely solid gold. Uh, so Broken Arrow, really a really entertaining movie, really high. You know, it's it's one of the movies where there's a lot going on, high intensity, especially near the end. There's a lot of like big, big scenes, there's a big train scene, big train chase, which is really good, and it's a really good conclusion to the story, to the film. I really like it. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm the big Christy, big biggest Christian Slater fan. I think you could easily swap him out for some other actor in this. Personally, that's my personal opinion. I don't think. Um, I suppose I'm not really. I always think of Christian Slater as the guy in. <laughs> In the Austin Bowers movies, where he says, um, he's like, I think he plays like a security guard in the first one. He might have a role in the other ones. I know he's definitely in the first one, and he and he and Austin Powers <laughs> like, um, hypnotizes him and he says, Go and get me some sherbet. And that's how I always, when I see him on, on screen, I can never really take him too seriously because I, I always think of him as in that Austin Powers movie as like the security guard who goes up and he's like, just hypnotize and he, he brings Austin Powers some sherbet <laughs> and I know he has done other, he's done a lot of acting gigs over the years and he's he's obviously a very talented actor um, but I feel like you could have easily swapped him out with uh, another actor in this movie I feel like the main guy for me who steals the show of this movie is Travolta I think he's superb in the role but really a, a really well worth checking out movie if you like The Rock as well I think you'll definitely get the vibes and you'll really enjoy this film so that's Broken Arrow, like I said, it was recommended. I think Ben Ryder rated 18. I'm pretty sure Ben recommended it. Maybe Andy. I think it was recommended by a few different people. So a big thank you to everyone who recommended that movie in that 90s video. It was um, an awesome recommendation. I do get round to watching all the recommendations in the comments you put them and in doing cl- collaborations as well. It takes me time sometimes, but I do get to them and I do, honestly... It's great when you hear some someone else speaking out about a movie and really enjoying it, and then you check it out and you're like, yes, you get it. And it's like, it's cool. It's like, oh yeah, we like the same sort of movies. That's that's cool. That's awesome. So Broken Arrow. Um, next up, let's talk about Ahsoka. Uh, the latest episode. I caught up with the last two episodes this week, but I want to talk about this last episode that came out, um, Fallen Jedi. Uh, so spoilers ahead for Ahsoka if you're not up to date with the show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Spoilers ahead, ladies and gents, for the latest episode of Ahsoka. First of all, I want to say uh, Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull. Yet another episode where he is just steals the show. Unbelievable. I think he's a, obviously such um, 
sad news still that he passed away because his role in this is he's he just makes the perfect. I was reading online someone saying like his story is kind of like the doing Count Dooku. He's sort of like like sort of like a similar sort of like path to him really, and it is a really he, he plays. He, first of all, he looks massive on the screen. Just looks super tough. That beard just looks amazing. And when he's got his lightsaber, he just looks he just looks the part. He looks it just really makes this show and really adds a lot of depth to this this show. I personally think he's acting credential. It, personally, he's not an actor I've really thought of until watching this. And I know he's done a lot of work uh, acting wise, but this really is my kind of first thing I've watched of Ray Stevenson's where I'm thinking, wow, this guy is such a talented actor. And yeah, such a shame he's not long, no longer with us. Because I feel like this is a role that it could really have expanded and grew out over a few series. Um, it'd be interesting to see how how that develops and w- what happens with with his character. Um, obviously, in the future, whether they do like, you know, um, sort of like reuse scenes or maybe or you know use maybe just write his character out. I, I don't know how they're gonna do it. Uh, but yeah, great character. Um, again. Another, I think this was the best episode so far, but I think the big thing to take away from this, two things. So I want to talk about the lightsaber duels in this episode were phenomenal. It really did have a vintage Star Wars feel. And I read this online before watching the episode saying it had that classic feel. And I agree completely, 100%. I can't remember where I was reading it, maybe on Reddit or something like that. But it really had a classic Star Wars feel from like the... You know, you've seen the the X wings and stuff, and then you've seen the lightsaber duels. Two separate duels. You have uh, Sabine Wren versus Shin Hate, and then you have uh, Maruk versus Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka versus uh, Balin Skull. Uh, I felt like the you know Maruk, the character of Maruk, that was like he just like went into dust. So that character was basically kind of like a zombie character brought back to life. Maybe a previous Inquisitor, kind of a bit of a disappointment if I'm being honest because I thought there was going to be a bit more to that character but obviously not or maybe they will go back to that character at some point but I feel like it's obviously we know it's not like Ezra Miller it's not uh, any of those characters now uh, Ezra Miller Ezra <laughs> Ezra Miller he's the, he's the flash guy I hope I've not been saying that name for the past few weeks Ezra Bridger uh, I bet you I've been saying Ezra Miller every single week I won't be surprised um, but yeah so Marek is just a dust character that's all he was uh, but the lightsaber duel between Shin Hate and Sabine Wren, I thought was really good. It kind of had that similar feel to the end lightsaber duel on The Force Awakens, but it wasn't, I didn't have to snow, but it was in that forest. And it had kind of a, a very fast, kind of like, a, not like a super fast paced um, feel to it, but it was like middle of the road, the pacing of it. And I really liked it. It was good. But then it felt, I felt like there was a very different. Um, lightsaber duel later on with Ahsoka and with Balin Skull when they're fighting in that temple area uh, where all obviously the magic's going on and that to me was more a very slow paced lightsaber duel very reminiscent of the classic movies I think you know Return of the Jedi the Vader Luke Skywalker um, duel you know and then as well you've got um, obviously it reminded me a lot more with the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader meeting in A New Hope. Um, really had that feel to it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, it was really good. But I think the biggest thing 
to take away from this episode, the big talking point is Ahsoka. At the end of this episode, you think she falls off the cliff. She she probably did, but then she falls into the world between worlds. Uh, I'm still not super up to date with this one, so I know it was featured in the animated show, World Between Worlds, and it's kind of used as like a time travel device. So just to, you know, if you're a bit lost with the timeline, this is after Return of the Jedi, Vader is dead, Anakin is now a Force ghost. She wakes up in this this plane, this this world between worlds. It's like in its own, like in-between universe or whatever. And like I said, in, in the animated show, they use it as like a time travel storytelling technique. And Ahsoka's been there before. She wakes up and she hears Hey Snips. She turns around and it's Hayden Christensen's version of Anakin Skywalker. And it's the version of him which would have been kind of in the same track as Clone Wars, uh, the Rebel, the Clone Wars show, probably you know just before Revenge of the Sith, um, he's in like the dark, you know, Revenge of the Sith type um, robes he's got on, and what he would have worn in the animated shows as well. So he was the obviously the master of Ahsoka in them shows. They had a really good relationship. She turns around, she sees him. And like I said, they, they actually de-aged Hayden Christensen for this because they basically, this is like, they had to de-age him 20 years. Because if you look on the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, he does have a few wrinkles around the eyes. Quite rightfully, you know, after 20 years, we do all age. Um, so the, you could see the de-aging they've done. And I, thought, I think they did a pretty good job, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, I thought it was a really good job, what they've done. And it, was, it wasn't too much. It was just a very subtle bit of de-aging. You could see they just kind of like ironed out the wrinkles but what is this? Is he? Is it? First of all, is it Anakin? Is it Anakin from the past? Is it Ahsoka's kind of like subconscious, or like a memory, like of Anakin, or is it someone else using some sort of spell to to assume the form of Anakin? Uh, is it a Force ghost? What is it? I, 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 if I'm being honest, I'm I'm completely puzzled. I I don't really know what it is, and um, I think. For fans, and I, and I think this would make it would be very disappointing if it was kind of like a a bit of a. I think it would be a misstep if they said it was someone pretending to be Anakin because everyone wants to see that live action interaction of those two characters, which are kind of like that. They have that beloved relationship of friendship in the animated shows, and I think if they kind of did it like were. It wasn't Anakin, it was someone using some sort of power force to pretend to take the the identity of Anakin in the in this world between worlds to kind of like maybe uh, manipulate Ahsoka. I think it would be really damaging to Star Wars and to the Ahsoka show. So to that point then, it's either the force ghost of Anakin or it is Anakin from the past. And he's somehow got into an maybe it's an alternative timeline of Anakin, and he's he's got access to this world between worlds as well to meet Ahsoka. Uh, so it's quite interesting. I think I'm I, I don't think it'll be the Force Ghost because he he didn't look like a Force Ghost. I feel like this is him from a past or an alternative timeline, and he's somehow been pulled into this world, and maybe he doesn't know what his future is yet. But I feel like that is what it is more than anything. But it'd be great to know what your thoughts are on this. Do you think it's a Force Ghost or do you think it is him from the past, a past timeline? 
really exciting. I'm really looking forward to the next episode now. I'm really pumped for it. I think it's going to be really good. But I like where this show is going. I like the direction. I hope they kind of don't go in a direction, take a misstep and do something like that where it's not Anakin. I hope it is Anakin and we get to see that meeting of them two characters in live action and really get to see that bond on screen. So yeah, another great episode of Ahsoka. Uh, finally, what else has been on the screen? Well, I've watched Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse this past week. Um, this is the latest one. Uh, premise of this, Miles Morales gets pulled into the multiverse again. And basically, there is he, it's, he meets all of the different Spider-Men throughout the multiverse, the Spider-Verse. Uh, but there's... Um, the, basically, the events of the first movie caused like uh, ripples in the multiverse, and now they had to. The the leader of the I think it's a 2099 version of Spider Man. He's like the leader of all the Spider Man, and the you know they had to make sure certain canon events across the Spider Verse become uh, reality, and they do happen. And Miles keeps on affecting these events, and then he's got to you know make choices, and then you know there's a big fight between. Uh, well, not a fight. Well, there's, I suppose, without going, to, let's let's talk about spoilers. You know, spoilers for this in five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers ahead, ladies and gents, for this movie. So we see, like I said, the 2099 Spider-Man kind of goes a bit crazy, and he says that you know Miles' dad in his universe must die. It's a canon event, and Miles is having none of it. And then we see like this big battle, and this is a story where it's going to go into the next Spider-Man movie. It's very much a continuation. Uh, let's just talk about the movie overall, though, not kind of like focusing too much on the plot. Um, I did feel like this movie, I enjoyed the movie, first of all. I thought the first one was a bit better, only for the reason. I think maybe this is one where I'm going to have to watch it again and kind of get another feel for it. But I felt like there was way too much going on. And it had a really good opening scene with Gwen Stacy's Spider, Spider Girl or Spider Woman, whatever. Really great opening. But then after that, I just kind of got lost in it because I felt like there was too many characters and just too much going on. I felt like at times, I'm like, this is just a bit... I think the story's great because they're doing something completely new. But at the same time, I'm like, this is... I don't know, there's too much going on at the same time. I'm just like a bit like... My brain's a bit fried watching this. And that's the feeling I got with watching this. I don't know if you feel the same, but that's that's the way I felt. Um Comparing this though, I was thinking about this to other animated movies of the year. This would be my third favourite of the year so far. I think my first is by far Super Mario Brothers. I thought that was spectacular. Next up would be the Ninja Turtles movie, uh, Mutant Mayhem. I, I, I like that more than Spider-Man. But, but like I said, it's not a movie I dislike. I think it's just maybe I need another watch to kind of like... Uh, appreciate it a bit more. And now that I know what's going on a bit more, I can kind of enjoy it a bit. But like I said, I'm I, watching this and I'm like, my brain was just like fried chicken. I'm just like, whoa, I need to take a break. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in a third movie. I think I really did like the stuff they were doing with integrating it with the live action stuff as well throughout the movie. I thought it was really interesting. But like I said, I just felt like there was a bit too much at the times going on. Too many characters. Uh, I do like at the end where they're assembling that, you know, that team to find Mor Miles Morales. I think that was really cool. And I think it really sets up a good third movie. So I'm looking forward to that. But that's what's been on the screen this past week, ladies and gents. Let's move on to today's headline topic. The Movie Cheer Podcast presents... The Headline Topic for the episode... 
Remember to spread a head, bit head, of head, head, topic. Head, head, head. Remember to spread a bit of movie cheer. So today's headline topic, True Lies. Is it the best 90s spy movie? We are going to discuss that in today's headline topic. Well, let's talk about this movie. I'm not going to say spoilers because this is a 1994 movie now. If you've not watched it by now, I'm sorry, you've had long enough. <laughs> so, uh, this is directed by James Cameron, and it sees the return of his collaborations with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who he obviously, they uh, they did the Terminator movies together, um, so they return for this. True Lies, True Lies as well is, is the first ever $100 million budget movie, so really the first movie hitting that budget um, and I think it goes to show because there's some great scenes throughout this, really great big spe uh, spectacle set pieces going on, and you think you really do think to yourself watching this like it is a hundred million dollar movie. It's a really uh, well done movie and well shot movie as well. Yeah, so it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've got Tom Arnold in there. You've also got Jamie Lee Curtis playing um, Arnie's wife. She she plays. Uh, I think it's her name is. Laurie, I think it is. No, sorry, Helen. Helen. And Arnie plays Harry Tasker. Now, the premise of this story is fairly simple. Uh, so basically, Harry is an un a secret agent, and his wife of 17 years doesn't know he's a secret agent. She thinks he just sells like electronic supplies, um, like he's just a salesman or whatever. And he works for like, this top agency, and he's, you know, by day, by day he's a spy. By night he's just a loving husband. He's got a daughter, and basically he gets he goes on the, this mission and he intercepts some details of terrorists, um, potentially smuggling stuff into the to the U.S. And basically these terrorists of the story, the villains of the piece, are smuggling via these ancient statues, some warheads, nuclear warheads, into the U.S. and they're going to set them off. And the mission at the end of it is to try and stop them from doing it. That's the end of the story, basically. But throughout this story, you have Arnie and the discovery. His wife has this discovery that his, his her husband is a spy. Uh, but it's a really interesting one because this is a very much... It's got a lot of charm to it, this movie. It's a comedy action movie, a comedy spy action movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's definitely a lot of humour in there. Very, you know, similar to, like, your Twins movies... Uh, yeah, Arnie movies that had a lot of humour in. I feel like you know, you, Arnie balanced that really well. He he could do it, in, especially on like Terminator Two. I think you could see it there. He could balance in like a really dramatic action performance, but then has a lot of humour in there as well. And this definitely has that. James Cameron um, wrote the screenplay, I believe it is, and he really balanced the humour. I think probably from T Two, recognizing that Arnie could do that role. He could do. You know, he could switch from being this action, you know, super action hero to doing comedy as well. And he does it really, really well. But we see in the, throughout this story, basically, Arnie, Harry's, Harry, we'll call him, um, he thinks his wife is having an affair. And him and his, like, his partner in crime go and follow his wife. 
and they listen into a conversation. She meets this guy, this man, and she they think she's having an affair, but basically this guy is pretending to be a secret agent himself, which is quite funny, and this, this guy is played by Bill Paxton. I'm going to get to them characters a bit later on. But it turns out he's not a spy, he's a car salesman, and he's just trying to um, get with women, and he's trying to get with Arnie's wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, and then we see the story kind of develop a bit more, and then she gets kidnapped later on. Uh, they both get kidnapped, and she she thinks at this point she's working with this top agency that was set up by Arnie, but then it's the terrorist who kidnap her, and then she realizes then that her husband is actually a spy. Uh, it's a really a really fun story, and when you when you put it down on paper and you see the sequence of events of the reveals that like. He's a spy, she's not a spy, oh, my husband is a spy. It's quite funny when you watch it on screen unravel and then you see the realisation that she's like, wow, my husband's not this like boring salesman, he's like this action hero, he's a super spy, he's James Bond, basically. It's really good. So that is the, the premise of the story. They stop the nukes in the end, thankfully. So I want to talk now about thoughts and memories of this movie. So honestly, watching this back... I really enjoyed it. It is. I'm a big Arnie fan, especially Arnie's 90s movies. Super fan of Arnie. Uh, always have been. Always have been. Arnie Stallone, but Arnie is the guy. He's my he's my action hero uh, growing up, definitely. And still to this day, I think. I don't think anyone can top Arnie for me. Uh, memories of this movie. I, I'll be honest with you. This is a movie I've not watched in quite some time. I remember watching this growing up, and I think maybe I was a bit... Maybe I was a bit too young at the time to really appreciate it. And I've probably seen it on TV once or twice again over the years and just not really paid too much attention to it as a film. But I remember having it on VHS as a kid. Having the VHS and we had like the Arnie collection. Uh, I had all the Arnie movies lined up. And I remember, like, like I said, watching True Lies and never really... It was never one I would go back to that often and be like... This is a this is one of my Arnie movies. I think the ones I would go back to most would be Commando was definitely one. Total Recall, um, Ruin Man. They they were the ones. Like even like Twins is not one I would personally say I had that much fond memories of. Twins is another one really, uh, and I, that's one I really do have to revisit because it's not one like one that I was like uh, was beloved to me as 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 growing up as an Arnie fan. So yeah, so this was kind of like one of those, again, True Lies, Erasure were ones I never really thought were amazing. I, I thought, I didn't think they were bad. I just, maybe just didn't click with me at that point in my life. Um, Rewatching it now though, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic and, you know, I understood it more. I got the gags and and I thought the story, story was fantastic. I, I think... Putting Arnie as this super, super suave spy by day and then by night he's just this loving family man. But then you realise his personal life is actually crumbling because he spends so much time being a spy. And then you see him have to, you know, trying to address that. And then it's what is quite kind of funny because I feel like this movie could easily have had a sequel. And I think for years, I was reading into this on Wikipedia, this is a movie that has had so many different sequels lined up, but for whatever reason, it's been delayed, and then it's just not happened. And I think there was—I remember reading some like around September the 11th—they were gonna, they were planning one then, 
and then it got scrapped because of stuff it had stuff related to terrorism and they kind of thought like let's let's leave that area alone which i, I quite I, you know i understand and um, but it is one of those movies that feels like they could have could have easily done some sort of sequel where he was teaming up with his wife more so and doing an, another mission and um, i know as well that they have he's done a recently on netflix i think it's called fubar where he he plays the dad he plays a secret agent and he is then his daughter i think it's his daughter is also a secret agent but they don't realize that they're both secret agents until they re, they go on a mission together um and it kind of feels like I, I remember hearing that it was kind of like put out as a spiritual successor to true lies and just hearing that concept sounds very much like what a sequel to this movie would be so i'm gonna to have to check out that show because i've heard really good things about it um but yeah it honestly i really enjoyed it and it is one now that i will definitely go back and watch again and again and again because it is something i really enjoyed and like i said i was watching it and it was kind of like watching it with fresh eyes because i really couldn't remember anything about this movie but it was such a blast watching it I really enjoyed it uh, some favorite moments from this movie then so favorite moments first of all there is a bathroom fight early on in the movie where he's got these spy glasses on and he sets up this camera in the bathroom because he's getting tracked by these terrorists. And he's at the urinal and then you see them coming in, two of them come in, and the next minute they just start attacking him and then there's this all-out like fight. It reminds me a bit of like Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout, that scene when you have Kenry Cavill and Tom Cruise having that fight in the bathroom. And they're in this like public bathroom and they're having this big fight and then he's you know he's jumping around he's shooting people and it's just this epic like three or four minute fight scene and in between all this again this is where it balances the comedy really well this there's this guy who's just sitting on the toilet and he's hearing all this going on and then he's hearing people like smashing his toilet down and he's seeing this fight scene going on and he comes out the toilet at the end and he's got his hat he's you know his pants down he's looking around he's thinking What's going on here? And he's obviously seen like two or three dead terrorists in there. It's pretty, pretty funny um, watching it. But that was a really good scene. The end of the movie as well. The bridge scene, which is like where this bridge is getting blown up. They apparently used like um, another bridge in a different area and then kind of put that into the scene and it fixes up really well. That's a really high intensity one of them scenes where you're just like, whoa, this is this is awesome. And he's chasing, especially when uh, his wife. Uh, Helen is in the limousine and the limousine is about to crash and fall off the cliff and then he's in the helicopter he's going down to try and pick up his wife and trying to get her out of this limousine before it crashes and she dies and luckily enough he, he grabs her out in the last minute and saves her life such an intense scene and then we go into the final moments of the movie where we have that jet he's in a jet Arnie and he's taking on the last terrorist where he's you know the terrorist is the main villain he's going after arnie's daughter his young teenage daughter on top of this skyscraper arnie's daughter jumps onto the jet and he tries to help her but then this like this terrorist is still jumping on and he jumps on but he gets hooked on the missile and then arnie says you're fired and he fires the missile with the guy on the, the main villain on and it just goes and blasts it into like this big explosion and it's such a great scene. And that scene, especially with his daughter, and you're seeing looking down, and you're seeing it's dead high up in the air. That is one scene where I was just like, I, I personally am scared of heights. I'm watching it. I'm feeling sick. And I get it. It's probably not even done. It's probably done in a studio, this thing. But I thought it was really well shot. And it really made me feel like, whoa, this is 
this is scary, this is intense. I love that scene, I thought it was really well done. So there are some of my favourite moments of the movie. Let's get to some of my favourite characters of this movie. Now, I will say, I think Arnie is great. No denying it, he's superb, fantastic. But I think a special shout-out has to go to two characters for me. First of all, I want to talk about Bill Paxton's character of Simon, the guy who pretends to be a spy, <laughs> but he's actually a car salesman. And then it turns out when he gets caught out by Arnie, he ends up like weeing his pants because he's that nervous and he's that he's just a scurdy cat. He's just an absolute loser. <laughs> and but I love it when he's when he's um talking to his wife, to Arnie's wife Helen at first, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and you see him just like basically pretending to be like James Bond. And saying like he's just on a secret mission and stuff like that, and he's trying to to uh, seduce her. And I thought Bill Paxton is, you know, obviously no longer with us, but he is excellent in this role. And I, I've, I've watched a few Bill Paxton movies, a few roles, and I do enjoy all his performances I've watched so far. Not not that I've watched a, a ton of movies with him in, but I think this is one where. He, he just is, he shines out in this movie, and it's only a small role, he must have only a couple of minutes on scene, because you see him at the end of the movie as well, but it really adds, again, another bit of comedy in there, and then another special shout-out goes to Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Helen, who's kind of this very, you know, timid, what I would say her character is described as, like, a very timid uh, housewife at the start of this movie, she's, you know, quiet, she's just wants the best for her husband and she does everything for her husband and a daughter a daughter and she works this job and then she kind of wants a bit more and then she you know she doesn't actually have an affair she doesn't ha sleep with bill paxton's character and, or no one else she's slightly tempted but she never goes through with it she turns him down in the end but then she gets sort of brought in arnie questions her behind this like glass wall she doesn't know it's him questioning and she, at this point she doesn't know he's a spy and they get her in as for a special mission <laughs> to join this this uh you know this agency and then she has to go on this mission to meet this man who this man turns out it is arnie but he's got like a voice box thing someone's recorded a voice box and they like the mission is she has to plant this like uh this chip in the room and then she ends up doing like this this really revealing dance to arnie and I, you see the transformation before she goes in the room she goes in and she's all in this really really lovely dress and then she rips it all apart and she kind of like rips it apart so she looks very more a lot more revealing she washes her back and stuff like that and she goes in and she does like this tease this dance this uh strip tease for <laughs> for Arnie and then this is where at the end of the scene she gets kidnapped by the terrorist him him and her get terror uh, get kidnapped and then there's the big reveal that you know he is actually a spy and she's absolutely shocked but I thought it was a really good transition because you see this very timid character at the start of the movie go into this you know this woman who really just wants to break out and she wants to do her own thing she wants to kind of like she kind of wants to be a spy in a, in a way. I think she likes that lifestyle. She kind of enjoys that excitement. And there's a really good scene where she drops the gun on the top of this staircase and it falls down the staircase. And I think it like shoots every person, uh, all like the the men, like the, all the villains in the room. I thought it was a really good scene. But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, I, like, I really do like Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she's a really good actor. And uh, in this movie, she really does. Uh, she's a really solid um, component to this movie. I, I think even more so than, than Arnie. I, I really do think she's great in this. Um, so, comparison. Is it is it the biggest, is it the best 
spy movie of the 90s. So you've got the 90s, for me personally, you've got your, your comedy, you've got your Austin Powers, you've got your Bond movies, and you've got your Mission Impossibles, and then you've got this one-off movie in True Lies. Where does it stand for me personally? Now, I've still got to say, Mission Impossible is for me top tier. It is top tier. But I've got to say, this is on par with Mission Impossible. I think it is just, just as good. I, look, you had Pierce Brosnan's Bond movies at the time. I personally would rather watch this than a James Bond with Pierce Brosnan. That's nothing against his movies. I think he's had some good movies. But I think this movie has such a great balance of comedy, drama, action. It's got it all. It balances it really well. And like I said, it's got a certain charm to this movie. I think it's just got that something about it that is really special. The story, the, the plot, the characters, it just all meshes in and it's really, really well done. And I do think it is on par, on level with Mission Impossible. I think it's one of the best movies, one of the best um, 90s spy movies for me personally, up there with Mission Impossible. And um, I think it definitely tops the James Bond movies for me. But you know what? Everyone is going to feel different. Is it my favourite 90s uh, Arnie movie? Definitely not. I think there's definitely ones like Total Recall, uh, Predator. There's so many other ones that I would put above that just because it's a very, very different genre to the other movies. But I think it is one of his best ones. I think it's definitely up there as one of my... Like, it's up there as one of my favourites. It is a movie I like, but it's not the top one. It's not the top one, but I do like this. I think it's a great movie. And yeah, definitely for me, above the Bond movies, really... a a great watch and so much I'm so glad I watched it after so many years of kind of not seeing it properly give it my full attention my full time and I really enjoyed it true lies well worth checking out if you've not watched it in a while anyway that is today's headline topic over and done with let's move on with the next segment of today's show case covers take on of case covers can you handle that case covers Collision. Case Cover Collision. Each and every week I choose a different movie and look at the different case covers for that movie and put them up against each other in Case Cover Collision to decide which one is the best case cover. Now, this week on Case Cover Collision, I will be looking at the movie Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, this release is coming out physical, I believe, I think it's on the 11th, it's coming out on physical. Uh, I will put in the links below if you want to buy through them, Amazon.co.uk links. Every uh, affiliate link is an affiliate link, so a small percentage would go to supporting the channel, and all your support is greatly appreciated because it helps the channel to grow. Um, I'll put them links in, but let's talk about this. I talked about this movie at the start of the show. Like I said, I felt there was a lot going on with this movie, but I still enjoyed it, and I feel like it's definitely, for me, another a movie I had to give another watch to, give it another bit of time to really appreciate it, because I think there was a bit too much going, from, going on for me, characters, story points, that I was just a bit like, whoa, bit blown away, bit too much going on. But it, overall, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. But we have a, a lot of different case covers here. we got five case covers to get through today, ladies and gents. So let's get to it. Uh, first of all, we've got, well, I would say we've got a DVD, we've got the Blu-ray, 
the standard 4K, a 4K Steelbook, and then a Blu-ray Steelbook as well. We are going to start off with the Blu-ray, the standard Blu-ray cover, and let's go for it. So, Spider-Man across the uni- uh, across the Spider-Verse. At the top, you've got the you know the 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 text, the title of the movie, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. In the middle of it, you know, it's in the middle at the top of the 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 case cover. Then you've got like the 2019 Spider-Man at the back of this. You've got like a like a red background that sort of like shows the all these different like space effects of the the multiverse, and then it goes up to a sky like a black purpley color where you see the logo of the movie. And then you have like Gwen Stacy, all the different characters, the different incarnations of Spider-Man in this cover. Front and center, then you've got Miles Morales. He is he's got his mask off here and he's looking into the distance. And they're all kind of looking in different directions. And yeah, it's great. You I think in the background you see then in smaller, very small miniaturized versions of all the different characters here. So you see, I mean this isn't even probably a tenth or a hundredth of what the characters you see in the movie, the different amounts, the different incarnations of Spider-Man. There's that many different versions. But yeah, I like this cover. It's very simple, very middle of the road cover. It's nothing spectacular. But I think it bounces the colors well. I think, you know, your reds in there, it very, you know, symbolizes Spider-Man very well, the red color and, you know, the dark going into the... I think it works well, the sort of like the the fade into that sort of purpley black color at the top when you've got the logo of it. So I think it's really well done. I think it's a, a good looking cover, this one. I like it. I think it's a, a solid starting point for case cover collision. Now let's move to the DVD case cover for this movie. So the DVD case cover is a very different color scheme, but a very similar looking cover. Um, this time, same again, at the top of the screen, a bit bigger in the middle though, is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in this white uh, text. Uh, and then we have kind of like these like beams of the multiverse, these orange flame beams going around in these sort of like this twirl in the background. And then you see to the right of Miles Morales this time, kind of more of a, a longer shot of this 2099 Spider-Man and then you've got Miles, kind of, I think it's the same pose of the first movie, but a bit like of a different uh, lighting effect on Miles and Gwen Stacy. They're just looking into the distance again, but you see like more of a fuller shot of Miles' costume in this one. And it looks like it's set more in the city. You do set, see actually the city landscape of the movie in the bottom, uh, the bottom area of the case cover. And then you see it's kind of like in like midday. So you see, you know, the multiverse is opening up in the city landscape. A bit of a different setting and a very different use of colors. Like I said, the oranges, whereas the first case cover had a lot of reds very prominent in this one. This one is more oranges and purples. And I think that is very much a very different cover. And I like that they've went for something different than the Blu-ray, but kind of using a very similar uh, layering of where the characters are sitting on the on the screen of the case cover. Well, that's the DVD one. I like that. But which one is the favorite so far? I think I will go with the Blu-ray so far. I think the Blu-ray is slightly better. I just like the reds. I think it just pops a bit more Spider-Man-ish. And I, I just like that color. So the Blu-ray is my favorite so far. Next up, we go to the standard 4K of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Again, the same logo, the same position in it of the title of this movie. And then you have very, you know, up front and center, uh, close-up shot of, 
of Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Gwen Stacy's Spider-Woman with their masks on. Uh, you just see the faces looking into the distance, and you see the reflection in the eyes of Miles Morales, all the different Spider-People, all the different versions of Spider-Man going to, you know, going after him in this in this multiverse and showing what he's, he's up against in this Spider-Verse. Uh, the background, again, is very much like a day shot. You see very distantly in the bottom screen, the bottom of the case cover, the, the city landscape again, but it is a very lighter shot, even lighter than the last one. Uh, you don't get any kind of like beams of orange in here. It's just like a, a nice pink, pinky sky, pinky to cream colored sky, that landscape. And I think it's, it's a very limited cover, this one. I think for me, not a lot is going on here. I like, you know, they feature all the characters so you know what's going on. It's, a, you know, across the Spider-Verse, you see and there's a lot of Spider-People, a lot of Spider-Men variants in this in this case cover. But for me, it doesn't do all that much. I think for a 4K, this should do something a bit more special. And it just doesn't get there for me. I, I feel like the Blu-ray and the DVD are better than this one. Uh, but so far, so, so far, the Blu-ray is winning over the 4K and the DVD. Next up we go, and this is what surprised me, ladies and gents. I'll say this before we get into this one. This is a movie. None of them are exclusive to to either Amazon, Zavi, or HMV. And really surprised by that, because normally a movie like this, you get at least one of them being a HMV exclusive or an Amazon exclusive. They're all just there's no exclusivity here, which is is kind of bizarre. Uh, this next one we're looking at is the standard, sorry, the 4K steelbook of Spider-Man Across the Universe. Um, this is a very different cover, and this one reminds me a bit more of a comic book, this cover. So, steelbook, we've got a black bar up top, across the bottom of the cover. And in that black bar, we have the same font and same color, the white Spider-Man Across the Universe uh, logo here, but it's in this black bar this time. And then above that, we have... Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, all them characters you've seen previously, they've all got the masks on, and they're all doing the, the you know, the, the what they call, like, um, gliding through the sky on their webs. They're gliding throughout the city, going around on their webs, and they're kind of mid-shot. It's like it's a, a shot. You see all the different characters behind Mar Miles Morales. He is front and center here, but he's half, you know, his hands up in the air because he's kind of, like, got a web slinger, you would imagine that you don't see it's outside of the shot but he's gliding around the city on his webs and swinging around i think swinging is a better word than gliding gliding's more of what the green goblin does he's he's swinging around the city that's the word but in this it's a very look the look of it looks like it's painted in a palette similar to a comic book it's got that look to it and even this movie is very much like that but i think even more so because you look at the background here, the, the look of it looks very comic booky. The colours you see, it's very very much a daylight scene. And it's uh, in the city again, you see the city landscape. You've got colours like oranges here, light blues. But then you've got like these lines of like these white, sorry, these yellow lines that kind of give it very much like a comic booky effect to it. And I, I really do think this is a, a cool cover. I like this because... You've seen the Miles Morales suit that is very different from the Peter Parker suit. It's this suit that is like black or blue. And you've got the red symbol of Spider-Man on there. I really like his suit. I think it really pops. And I like that it's a very different suit than Peter Parker's version of Spider-Man as well. So that is a really cool um, looking cover. 
Is it the best one so far? Is it better than the Blu-ray? This is tight, but I think I'm going to say... What are we going to say? I think... I think it just edges the Blu-ray for me. I think this one... Yeah, I'm going to go with the 4K Steelbook edges the Blu-ray just slightly. I think just... I love that comic book look and I love the way they're swinging through the city. I think it really... Just something about it really appeals to me. I like the look of this. So winning so far on Case Cover Collision is the 4K Steelbook, but we have one more case cover to look at, and that is the, the Blu-ray Steelbook cover. So let's have a look. This Blu-ray Steelbook here we have, and this is, again, a really different, uh, very different cover. So again, you've got the black bar at the bottom again, similar with the logo there, fair enough. But then we've got a very different look of it again, but a very comic booky look again. But very different placements of the characters. The city landscape is in the background. All the buildings are kind of like in multicolors. So they're not like in greys. They're in some are purple, some are blue, some are green, some are orange. Really, I like the look of that because it really just adds this craziness of this movie, the multiverse, the spider-verse. And then you see a blue sky above them and all the different characters of this movie, all the prominent characters, the prominent Spider-Men, uh, Spider-Women of this movie, all swinging through the city. And you see, I think it is definitely Bluey's suit, by the way, Miles Morales' suit. You see the suit, the blue suit, and then you see like the, the red trim around it and then the red symbol of Spider-Man. Look he's looking into the camera as well, he kind of looks like. And this looks, even more than the last one, this looks like a a page from a comic book. I really like this. I think it just like, it looks like something where you see in a speech bubble, like kapow or something like that, or like, wow, this is awesome. Um, I, I really love this color. I think it just really looks great. It looks really, they, a really good color scheme, first of all. I think the logo, the placement is really well done. And the characters, you see get a really good look at the characters here. And you can see the different spider people. That, and to me, when you see all these different incarnations of Spider-Man, that is what excites me. Because you're seeing, like, you're thinking, you know what this is going to be about. It's all different incarnations. You're going to get a multiverse of Spider-Man all in one movie, in one story. I love it. So, that is the Blu-ray cover. I really do like that. But which one is my favorite today? Which one is the winner of Case Cover Collision? I've got to go with... The last cover I looked at, the Blu-ray steelbook of Spider-Man Across the Universe. As I said, I think the color scheme is great. It really, for me, adds to what this movie is. This wacky movie, all the different colors in there. You see all the characters really well in this shot as well. It's a really put-together shot where you see each and every character, and every character really gets a good look, but you still got Miles Morales front and center. I think it's a great cover. The Blu-ray steelbook is... a a really worthy cover of this movie that I definitely need to rewatch because it is a bit crazy, a bit wild, but this cover really celebrates that craziness of that movie. Anyway, let's move on now with the rest of the show, and we can now go to the Amazon Top 10. The Amazon Top 10 is approaching. Prepare yourself. 10. 9. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. The Amazon Top Ten has arrived. 
the Amazon top 10. Each and every week, I give you the Amazon top 10 for Amazon.co.uk, the best sellers list for DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks, ladies and gents. Let's go for it this week. We have at number 10, The Flash on Blu-ray. Really good movie, well worth checking out. At number 9, we have Doctor Who, The Collection, Season 20 on Blu-ray, limited edition. Uh, at number 8, we have Season 4 of Succession on DVD. At number 7, this is one I'm really excited about, the RoboDoc, the creation of RoboCop, double disc special edition Blu-ray. I've got to watch that. A big, big fan of RoboCop. I'm going to have to watch that. The documentary about the movie. That's at number seven. At number six, we have Avatar, The Way of Water on DVD. At number five, we have Spider-Man Across the Universe on Blu-ray. At number four, we have The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harry Harold Fry on DVD. Never heard of that one. New one to me. At uh, number three, we have the Super Mario Brothers movie on DVD. And again, another favorite of mine. Uh, number two, ooh, this is, I'm going to have to look at these case covers next week, potentially. Number two, we have Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Steelbook, 4K Steelbook. So the, I know they have, they've already done a 4K release of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder movie, um, but they're doing a new 4K Steelbook release. That looks really good. I love that movie. One of my all-time favorite movies, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I love that film. And at number one, we have Fast X on DVD. Still not watched that movie, but I'm really looking forward to it. I do like that franchise, the fast movies, the fun movies, entertaining. But it, that is the Amazon Top 10 for this week, ladies and gents. Let's now move on to the final segment of today's show. And that is Not So Worthy Blockbuster Housekeeping. This is the part of the show where I like to discuss what's going on with the channel. Uh, it's just a general chit-chat at the end of the episode, really. So what's been going on? Um, first of all, I want to talk about... Uh, we have a comment, a recent comment. I like to I like to do this regularly now. Do, do a few comments. I've got one comment here I want to discuss. Um, this is from Ben Fisher, 1376. Uh, welcome to the community, Ben. And... I just want to say, this was Ben's comment. He did put on a previous comment, but he put another comment as well. And this was, uh, do you remember those 80s Disney VHS releases in rental stores? Big white cases and the Walt Disney logo at the top in the red and a pic from the film below. When I see these now, I get huge pangs of nostalgia. <laughs> uh, first of all, great comment, Ben. Thank you. Uh, we were talking about, I think we were talking about rental stores, um, video shops we call them over in the UK. I think Ben must be from, from the States or from Canada because uh, I know a lot of people call them rental stores over there. Um, I remember, I think for us, I can't remember. I think I'm pretty sure they were like the smaller ones. I, I remember we, we used to have like with VHS, some of the big ones, Ben. Uh, we used to have like some of the big cases on certain movies, but I, I personally I can't really remember which ones they would have been. I'm sure the Disney ones for us were just like the standard cases, like the standard VHS. I may be wrong, but I'm 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 sure I rem remember them just being like that. Well, yeah, we definitely had some of the big cases though on some of the movies. Um, it just varied on whichever movie it was. Because I remember you'd have some that were slightly bigger in the collection. It would just look a bit off, slightly. But uh, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of nostalgia for that. When I go in, I get it when I go in like um, in charity shops over here. And, and I see them very, very rarely now. But when I do see a VHS, it's just like... Because you, you, you don't see them that often. I'm just like, wow, this is... It's weird seeing them. I'm opening them up. And I'm like, this is like... It's like going in the museum. Just like, I love the feeling of the nostalgia. It's such a great feeling. Because I remember going in the video shops as a kid myself and you know you, you go in there I remember 
the one I used to go into and you go in that room, the back room, all the wall-to-wall of VHS and it was just magical as a kid. I loved it and yeah, I thought it was great. But yeah, thank you very much for the great comment, Ben. Really appreciate that. Um, what's, what else has been going on in movie chair town, ladies and gents? Well, the blog. I want to talk about the blog. The blog this year has taken a slump. I'll be honest with you. Uh, to be fair, the channel, like I said, throughout this year, I took a few different gaps. The blog is one of them things where I always intend to get into it a bit more. But in all honesty, it comes down to time and me being a bit lazy sometimes. I'm I'm accountable. I can be honest. Uh, I do love doing the blog when I do and get into writing. But for me, it's sometimes I need to get into that zone of doing a blog. So it's not over the blog. I will intend to do, write some more this year. Uh, but I was doing it fairly regular. And I think it just got to that point where I, I couldn't do it that often. And then you just lose track of it. And then you lose your, the once the, you're off, the wheels are off, you're off the train. Eh? <laughs> but I will go back to doing the blog, rest assured. Uh, and this goes to another thing. The last thing I want to get to, return of pay-per-view live shows. We do used to do them every three months because I took a bit of a break and kind of getting back into it. I do intend to do at least one pay-per-view live show by the end of this year. Movie Cheer Fest, will that happen this year? It might not happen. It could be next year now. Uh, maybe we'll do that every two years now or something like that. Uh, like I said, I think it just sometimes it just gets a bit too much planning it out and stuff like that. And uh, I bite off a bit more than I can chew, if I'm being honest, sometimes. And yeah, so I do intend to do them again. And hopefully we'll do one maybe around December time, another live show, because I do like doing them when, once again to it, because it's great just having a chat with people on a live video. So I really enjoy doing them. So they will return at some point, definitely. But that is it for Not So Worthy Blockbuster Housekeeping. And that is it for another show. If you enjoyed today's show, please do give it a like and leave a comment below on all of today's different topics. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this on a podcast app of your choice, please do subscribe to the podcast on the app and leave a five-star review and let me know, send me the review and I will read out on the show. All reviews really do help this podcast to grow. But what do you think? Are you a fan of True Lies? Is it your favorite 90s spy movie? Where does it stand as your one of your favorite Arnie movies as well? Uh, case cover collision. Which one is your favorite Spider-Man across the universe case cover? And what did you think of Star Wars? That Ahsoka ending what are your thoughts on that and that whole episode as well? Uh, lots of different talking points for today's show. I want to hear all of your opinions as always, ladies and gents. Been a really fun show as always. Thank you very much for watching, ladies and gents. Remember to spread a bit of movie cheer. And as always, I will see you next time.